Welcome to the Property Perspective Podcast, a podcast where we talk about different perspectives on property, the industry, and anything we find interesting. I'm your host, Nick Cowdy. I am a real estate professional and the principal at Cowdy Real Estate, a boutique real estate firm here in Christchurch. Hope you enjoy the show. Today we have Jacob Weblitz here, who's a member of the Cowdy Real Estate team. And I thought a, a good topic was that uh, Jacob's just sold his own property, not him selling it, but within the company. But interesting to hear a bit of a perspective of uh, being on the other side of the table to usual being a customer rather than being the agent. But uh, welcome, Jake. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on, Nick. No worries. Now, you've got um, kind of a, an interesting background or that you've done in the prior to your real estate career. Run us, run us through a bit of that. Yeah, so uh, previous to being in real estate, I've been in real estate for uh, just over four years now. I was living abroad, so over in, um, based out of Los Angeles for uh, quite a few, uh, three years. Um, touring with my then partner um, who had a band and I was working, I could only work for them on a specific visa so I could only work for about 50% of the time for them and then the other time that I had on my hands um, I wasn't able to work and Mm. I'm not very good when I'm not busy. (laughs) Um, I'd always wanted to go off and do volunteering so um, the first time I had a good stint where I didn't have too much to do I just started Googling um, and found some volunteer organisations um, and within a week I was on a flight to Haiti. Um, so I went there and did some disaster relief um, after a hurricane had been through there. Mm. Um, there was also some flooding that happened w- on the day that I got there which made for um, very interesting times. Um, but yeah, over that sort of next three years, I ended up doing a lot more volunteer work. Um, went to Peru and spent, uh, it's hard to remember now, but about nine months there on and off. Um, went to um, some of the Caribbean islands and did a few months there and ended up sort of getting employed doing project um, management for um, the NGO which I was working for, which was All Hands and Hearts. Mm. Um, yeah, lots of fun, lots of fun, but... Yeah, while I was over there, I, I knew in the back of my mind that I wanted to get into real estate when I mm. came back to New Zealand. Yeah. So while whilst I was back in Los Angeles, I set my ticket online. So I was ready to go by the time I got back to New Zealand. Right. And got back and jumped straight into it. I think I was home for about two months and then had jumped on board with um, another company previous to being with Cowdy. Sort of cut my teeth there and then, um, yeah, after the first lockdown, um, got to come over and see how the things work at Cowdy in the back end and was really impressed and mm. here I am today um, after a good solid couple of years. Yeah. Well, I think it's quite interesting for me because I've never worked anywhere else and the way that we do business is just the way that I thought is the best way to do business, I guess, but mm. it was a little bit eye-opening for you, wasn't it? That that yeah, it was. Yeah, um, seeing the the time and effort that went in and the and the back end, um, the thought processes behind things, um, the the emphasis on the client being number one without having sort of a corporate head office strategy behind you um, was really good and. Obviously, being sitting right next to the business owner every day and 
being able to tap into that knowledge base and things like that um, was something really valuable for me. Um, we we do, well, we have some pretty old hands in there as well. Yes. Old Ledge, who unfortunately yeah. just passed away not too long ago, TD. Yeah. He had some real gems for people to learn from. He sure did, yeah. Yeah, along from uh, some of the other team there. But mm. yeah, so... You've been with how long has it been now? It's been a couple of years, three. It's been almost three years, yeah. Yeah, that I've been with Cowdy. And then in that time, you'd you'd bought a house. Mm. Yeah, I bought. So I bought my house just as I came on with Cowdy. Maybe oh, it would have been six months in. Mm. So I bought that via auction um, and did quite well when I bought it. You were the only one um, there, or no? There was a couple of people there. Um, but most of the interest was conditional, so that's I was able to pick it up for a, a wee bit less than what I thought it was worth. Yeah, um, yeah. So it was a it was a great first home. Um, spent a wee bit of money on it um, over the last couple of years, probably only twenty or thirty grand. Um, just sort of modernising, doing simple things that I knew would add value, add a lot more value um, when I went for resale. Mm. Um, not going overboard because that is easy to do. Um, my property had some limitations being on a cross lease. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to overcapitalise. I wanted to spend money on things that I knew would give it the lift but not be money wasted, I guess. Yeah. Um, which brings us to sort of this year. Um, well, there's, a big, there's a big gap in oh, the middle there. Oh, there's a big there. gap in the middle there. <laughs> I, I've, I've met the love of my life, have had um, two kids, uh, twin girls who are now just turned one. Yep. Um, so our family has expanded and the property, um, although we could have probably stayed there a bit longer, um, we were sort of keeping an eye out for opportunities. Actually, we had been to quite a few auctions last year. We'd brought forward auctions. Um, made other offers on property and almost got there with a few places but didn't quite so we almost became okay with settling in where we were mm. um, and then this off-market opportunity um, sort of arose um, from a friend who was sort of looking at properties in an area and he just found a property referred it to me as a potential listing and yep. I went and had a look at it and um the location for us was amazing. It was right next to Sophie's mum. Yeah. Um, the house provided everything we were looking for and we sort of knew it was um, in our price range. So instead of giving any professional advice, I just said, I think I'm your buyer. Yeah. And um, we sort of started that process at the end of last year, um, which is only just coming to a close now. So it's been it's been a real journey over the last Three months. So um, quite a lot of, of luck involved in your process, I feel. Definitely. Um, but also it's a really interesting difference in the change of the markets between mm. that crazy time in 2021, mm. uh, start of 2022, well, since, since lockdown basically. Mm. And so you had an opportunity to buy mm. subject to sale. Yes, which um, on the market is often very hard to do. Yeah. Um, but yes, because this was off market and the vendors weren't going to be going to market until sort of later this year, um, mm. they were happy to give us the opportunity to purchase subject to the sale of our house, subject to due diligence, mm. um, all really favourable, every, everything that we needed in the contract, they were able to do. Yeah. Um, which isn't very common. Um, if, if that property was on the market, there's no way we would have been able to buy it. Yeah. That's interesting because you actually, it was, 
not just one house that you're selling in the meantime, was it? Mm, There's no. two houses. Yes. So we had to we were purchasing our new house subject to the sale of our house that we live in in mm. Islam. Um, but in the background, we have an apartment up in Wellington, which we tested the market last year with the intention to sell it. Um, it had tenants in place. We had an offer, um, which at that time we didn't deem acceptable um, and sort of gamble. We, we took into consideration what the agent had said, what we thought the market was going to do, but crystal balls are... Um, yeah, they're, they're crystal balls. Mm. You don't, you never, never know if you're going to be right until um, you get further down the line. Um, so that got pulled from market last year, and then once the tenant was out, about oh, six weeks, two oh, two months ago, staged it, got it back on the market, did everything right um, that we could have done to try and open up the market to more people, show it in its best light, um, and ended up after sort of six weeks on the market, um, having very limited viewings. The market in Wellington is completely different to down here. Yeah. Um, and the apartment market especially hasn't really taken off there yet. Um, so we ended up taking a loss, well, not a loss, but taking an offer that was less than what was offered last year. Mm. Um, so, yeah, dealing with that, dealing with having kids at home, <laughs> Trying to tidy up a house, get some maintenance sorted. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it's been a really intense start to the year. Probably the quickest start to the year I've had in a long time. Yeah, well, it's it's yeah, it's interesting. Even the people who live and breathe it obviously can't see what's going to happen in the market. Mm. And I and I guess Wellington, yeah, has definitely been a different kettle of fish to mm. Christchurch and how it's gone. But you know, very hard to know what happens. It changed so rapidly. It does, yeah, yeah. And so many factors in there as well, um, especially in the Wellington market. Um, obviously, they'd had some explosive growth over the last few years, so mm. it's hard not... I mean, we always know the market dictates what your price is, but when you've had explosive growth and you've had an appraisal 12 months earlier that said you were going to get $200,000 more than what you're looking at now it's always hard to peg back your expectation by that much and then yeah. that much even ag again. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's, um, yeah. So not, not fun. <laughs> no, no, I bet not. Um, and then here, so you, so you chose quite a, so you didn't, you chose a priced method, right? Mm, yeah. So run us through how you got there. Was that yeah, so Tom and Catherine or you? Or yeah, so... I had Tom and Catherine from Caddy selling my place. I thought I'd remove myself from the situation because... Um, Good plan. I couldn't sell my own place. Yeah, no. Um, I feel like purchasers would rather deal with someone who's a little bit more removed from the situation. So yep. um, I know they're more than capable of handling the job. But yeah, the method, um, method of sale we chose was an offers over price. Um, uh, this property that we were selling um, was sort of in that first home buyer bracket. So auctioning it was sort of ruled out. Um, it's very hard for first home buyers to get their finances in order. Um, they need to get valuations and things. So, yep. yeah, we, auction was ruled out. Deadline, we could have done a deadline, um, but we thought, and this is from previous experience earlier on this year, end of last year, um, when we know sort of the baseline that a property should be selling for, um, 
we've recommended this before and it's worked really well. We've had um, the last two times we've done it, we've sold the property within a week mm. and for well over what that um, negotiable overprice is. Yeah. So that was the method behind the madness for us as well. So we sort of offered, um, we thought the value might sit somewhere hopefully close to seven. Mm. Um, so we advertised offers over 649. Um, we didn't quite get to where we would have ideally liked, but we did get over our asking price. Yeah, because you um, do have to be in a position to consider any reasonable offers over that asking correct. price, and you were prepared for that, right? Yeah, correct. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, if um, if all we got was um, the baseline, then that's what we would have done, but yep. we were able to get some more. Yeah, nice. Which was great. How was um, – because – I've never sold a property mm. myself, um, but I have. We've had house tours mm. three times, mm. and the preparation. You think, oh yeah, we'll be able to tidy up in a you know a couple of hours, but that's not the case, is it? No, um, <laughs> it's really given me a lot of um, understanding for the vendors that I'm dealing with now. Mm. Um, whether or not you've got kids, like it is, when you take pride and and where you live and you want to show it in its best light, it, it takes time and effort to get that ready every weekend or on short notice for viewings and things like that. And like I say, we've got twin one-year-olds at home. So that minute after the open home is done, the house is almost back to a bomb site. <laughs> um, and you get people uh, asking almost every second day, can I get a private viewing, can I get a private viewing? And we sort of had to draw a line somewhere and say look, we'll, we'll do one private viewing this week at this time and try to get a few people through at once mm. um, because otherwise it was it was just too much. Um, yeah, you, you want to show your property in the best light and you can't do a quick five-minute clean-up um, to make make it look like that. No, yeah, like I can completely see why. You know, there's, there's not actually that many houses on the market that I lived in. Mm. You know, you can see, well... I don't know if everyone can tell, but I can mm. certainly tell what's staged and what's not. Mm. Um, and for good reason, I think. And it just yeah. means that you can kind of come in and out really quickly. But not everyone has that uh, luxury, luxury, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, you would much rather be out of the house. Um, so, for example, like the first three weeks, we ran Saturday and Sunday uh, open homes. Mm. Um and then, and so for those three weeks, we went to my parents' house and stayed there for the weekend. Yeah. So we didn't have to tidy up in between. Yeah. Now you had some massive numbers through, eh? Yeah. So, I mean, marketing is um, obviously key when you're selling a home. Yep. And um, we we like to think we always nail it. And we definitely did on my place. Yeah. Um, Can't believe you didn't do a video, though. Oh, I know. <laughs> it was, it's a simple home. Um it didn't need the video to get the people through. We had first weekend, we had over 40 groups through. Yeah. Um, and then subsequently over the next um, few weekends, yeah, we ended up having over 100 and something groups through the through the home. I mean, that's incredible, I think, for mm. anyone who's selling the house at the moment or other agents that might be listening. Mm. Uh, they will be impressed with those numbers because... Mm. You know, there's some places we're getting one, two, zero, mm. you know, five, tens, a really big open home, you know. Mm. So those numbers are really impressive. Mm. Yeah. No, we were, I mean, we were absolutely wrapped with that. Yeah. Yeah. Quite a uni unique house. We, uh, oh, it's not that we, but a cross lease 
mm. with a swimming pool. Yeah, so that was probably one thing. It was hard to get across in marketing that it was adjoined, mm. an adjoined cross-lease. Um, it was the rear section of two. Um, it had sort of a shared garage, well, individual garages, but joined together at the back of the section, so a shared driveway. Um, so I guess a lot of people probably saw the marketing and thought, oh, that's a standalone home, because you couldn't really take a photo that showed that it was an adjoined cross-lease. Yeah. And unless you're really savvy and um, notice on the likes of trade me and things that there's no land area, then yeah. you, you don't quite realise it's a cross-lease until you turn up. Yeah. So that's where a lot of buyers turned up thinking, oh, that's a bargain, standalone, yeah. freehold for that price. And that's where a lot of the conversation had to be said, yeah, well, if it was that, the price would, would add in a, be, yeah. A good couple on. of hundreds. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, interesting. Is there is there anything you would do differently, just in hindsight? Um, I would probably try and emphasise more that it was on a cross lease. Yeah. Um, or attached. Or attached, so that people knew that. So it sort of, yeah, so that people were aware of it. Um, mm. Although a lot of people don't read advertising anyway so <laughs> yeah who knows who would have actually read that and found out um, yeah. people were still turning up it is one of the most the things that amazes me the most is that and, and uh, like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it because I'm doing the same I think I booked an Airbnb once and it's, it was advertised three bedrooms but in the but it says for the extra bedroom you have to pay more mm. and we booked it and then we realized there wasn't enough room but um the amount of people that email through asking for the property file link, mm. which is at the bottom of the ad, or ask mm. us questions that are in the advertising, mm. or when the open home is, which is in the advertising. Mm. Um, but it just shows what's important when you're doing the marketing, isn't it? It's the photos, mm. it's the things that you can read really quickly. But, you know, that's why, like, and this is something you showed me about advertising when we first came on, is mm. trying to keep your advertising text... Easy to read, clear cut, you might have a little intro and then bullet point the things that people want to know mm. because the amount of people that want to read an essay on your property is very limited. I mean, they might take you, know the, home you know afterwards. the stats of um, how what you've people read, is it the first seven seconds or something is yeah. about all they'll, all they'll read? Yeah, I think Trade Me has, has some like heat maps where they kind mm. of track your eyes and mm. it's... It's basically the picture, maybe the headline a wee bit and the map, but the middle mm. part just gets a really fast glance. Mm. So it's kind of important to make things clear. Mm. So when you, if you do get people reading down, they can pick out the important parts really fast yeah. so that they come and look, right? Yeah, exactly. Just double blazing or whatever like that. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Um, we'll just have a quick breakaway and I'll take out my notes Perfect. for the... Uh, Property report. So, like the first one we did, looking at the listings on Trade Me, because that gives a pretty good idea of what's actually happening out there. Mm. So it's at two thousand two hundred and fifty at the moment, which is the first week, and you know week to week can change. It might start going back up, but it's the first time this year we've seen a decline in numbers week on week. So the stock is slowing up and stuff's selling out, which is good. The difference between the same time last year is 590. So previous, we've been in the 600s and 700s. 
Um, so the gap between the two markets being the boom market and our market now are sort of closing in together again. Um, so it's just shifting towards, yeah, I think Christchurch is it's almost a stable market so far, so good. Um, the Ryan's data shows for February that the median sale price is at 675000 Now, February the year before, it was at 730, which was the absolute peak for Christchurch. So we're, actually, we're only 7.5% off peak, which is was pretty incredible, really, especially when we're looking at what some of the other cities are doing around the country. Um, one thing is the data sell are up quite significantly to last year, and the volume of sales is down, but the prices just seem to be holding in quite a good way, which is good to see. Uh, possibly Christchurch had, had, lots of people say Christchurch is undervalued um, mm. or has been undervalued. I think it still is, but anyway. So we're at 49 days to sell in Canterbury. As I like to put things in perspective usually, we look at the Auckland region, which is 15.9% down on the same time last year, So, and the days to sell of 59 for the Auckland region. Wellington's down 22.6%, uh, which is quite significant, and the days to sell are up to 69. So, you know, we are really lucky, and I think there's there's so many reasons why Canterbury has worked really well, and, and a lot of it's to do with all the land released way back after the earthquakes. Mm. That meant uh, we just had a, quite a stable market, so the peaks and troughs just aren't as big mm. as some of the other places that have gone mm. big and booming. Um, so back to Jake. Mm. So lessons learned in this whole situation. Lessons learned. Um, Does it change your perspective when you're selling a property, have just gone through the process? I think... Um, yeah, well, it gives you it gives you some understanding and compassion for the vendors you're working with, mm. um, realizing how how much they're going through in the background. Um, although us as agents are busy trying to take all of the stress out of the situation for the vendor, mm. um, realizing that there's still a lot that goes on in the background for the vendor, yeah, um, emotionally um, as well as just physical stresses of managing day-to-day -day and viewings and open homes and things like that. Yeah. Um, what we'd, I mean, in, in a market like this, and this is what a lot of um, our conversations are with vendors at the moment, like there is, there is a lot more to, for people to choose from. So if you're going to be going to market, you want to try and mitigate any um, factors that might sort of put someone off your property. So that's getting like, and this is what we did with ours. Like we went and did all the little maintenance things that we thought needed doing. So mm. this was as well as decluttering and everything. Mm -hmm. We went round, had like a couple of weekends where we had people around helping out, getting trades in where they were needed, um, getting the place in tip-top shape so that you had nothing that a purchaser could come back on. So we got a building report done, although buyers are recommended that uh, they can't rely on those. It at least gives them something to look at. To start from, yeah. Yep, to start from. 
Um, things like our pool, we even got the pool system checked over by a um, pool company, so there was a written report on that. Um, we're on a cross lease, so things like I had um, erected a, like a pergola, mm-hmm. so we needed, th- needed to make sure we'd cross our T's and dotted our I's on things like that, making sure that our, um, we had neighbours consent for that, whether or not it required build consent, um, yeah. etc. Actually, one thing that did come up um, once we got our property under offer, and this is a real um, niggly area for cross leases. Mm. Um, so our home had a addition, a second story addition put on it about 15 years ago, 2007. This was previous to my ownership, obviously, um, and also previous to my um, neighbour um, to to their ownership. Yeah. Um, it was fully consented on the build, um, sorry, on the limb, so full build consent, co-compliance issued, etc. Um, but the lawyers came back and um, the purchaser's lawyer came back and said, have you got record of the owners at the time giving permission for that to be erected? And we'd got the property file. There was nothing on record there. I spoke Mm. to council. They said, no, we don't have that on file. We're not required to keep it on file. We're not even required to see it. We will issue a bill consent without the neighbour's consent. Right. Which I found really interesting. And from sort of doing some research online, it depends council to council whether they um, do require Require that. I wonder where it's generally recorded. It must be, you'd think it would be on title. Well, it doesn't have to be recorded officially anywhere. It can be as simple as an email between the two owners, which is what we ended up doing to get around this. I sent an email to the current owner Mm. basically saying, are you happy for this second-story addition to be here? He said yes, and we forwarded that on to the solicitors, and they were happy with that. But between the purchaser's solicitor, my solicitor, and then the solicitor who... Um, managed the purchase when I purchased it, Mm. it was really interesting. There was sort of, it's a real grey area. There's so many grey areas. Yeah. Uh, Like flat plans. um, Sorry, just to, you know, go on to another topic. But Mm. um, like uh, carports on Mm. flat plans, like Mm. some lawyers will say, yes, it is required. And other lawyers will say, no, it's not. Mm. It's not a foundation or or Mm. have solid walls or something like that. Yeah. Um, Which is why you... Need legal advice on these things? Yes. Um, Some people it's a big deal, some people it's not. Some people it's just something written on paper. Mm. They can see it in front of their eyes that it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The So I think, just a final thing, I think feedback is something that alleviates a lot of stress, just knowing what's Mm. happening. eh? And you're probably quite lucky to be sharing an office with the people selling, but Mm. does that, you know, change your thoughts on how it should be done? You're good at that anyway, but... Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't have changed um, how we advertised, no. Uh, the feedback wasn't coming in below where we had advertised it. Mm. It was more that people um, just didn't quite realise that it maybe attached. it was attached, things yeah. like that, yeah. I mean, like when you're selling the feedback from the agent mm. to the... I feel like that alleviates a lot of stress. Oh, the yeah, People yeah. knowing exactly what's happening day to day, even if, like, it's saying there's nothing happening. Yeah, 100%. Obviously, I share an office with um, Tom and Catherine, so yeah, um, it was great 
I mean, I never got a Russian vendor report as such, but I got constant feedback on what was happening. So mm. that's always nice. I probably wasn't as good at relaying that to Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> she was always asking me what's going on because um, obviously I always knew what was going on, yeah. um, which made me not too worried. Um, but yeah. It's I, a good thing to remember, I think, is that mm. you know what's in your mind doesn't mean everyone else knows. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what you want as a vendor is just to know mm. what's going on. Even if there's nothing going on, you want to know that. Um, you want to know that. Mm. <laughs> well, I think we're pretty much out of time. But the last thing is the uh, timing of your confirmation when we're talking about luck with everything. Oh yeah. So we we'd allowed um, we'd been given a certain amount of time to confirm our subject to sale offer on. Um, on the place we've bought and it came down to sort of the last day and the last two minutes to <laughs> confirm <laughs> and we hadn't heard from the purchase solicitor for, on our place all day and we thought oh well we're rolling the dice here and then two minutes to five o'clock on a Friday we heard all confirmed happy days you're away so we'd sold and bought a property that day and all right yeah it was great oh well <laughs> done and uh Thank you. I'm sure you're looking forward to getting the family into the new house. We are, yeah. In a month's time. Yeah. We'll be in there. Nice. Oh, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it.